When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast, the Husker Fan Sports Show with Dave, Honky, Mac, and Boomer. Welcome to the Go Big Redcast. I'm your host, David Gaspers, and I'm with Honky. Well, Election Day is Tuesday, Redcasters, and you would have never known from our James Carville LSU tweet Saturday morning. But yay, we got to mute our first ever Twitter conversation. <laughs> uh, I'm also with Mac. What's up, Redcasters? I'd just like to happily announce that we were voted um, co-Big Ten Podcast of the Week again. It was awesome. Um, the only voter was my mom, but uh, <laughs> she's a big fan of <laughs> Illinois as well. So we'll see how that goes. But hey, all right, that's two, two weeks in a row. What do you have to do to like win individual Big Ten Weekly honors, Mac. That's the question I have. Well, I tell you what, win a couple more games. I imagine he'd probably have a handful of those puppies. I would agree. And uh, back and better than ever. I'm also with Boomer. Well, I just like to say, even though I wasn't here last week to fully participate in the podcast, I still felt it was a moral victory for us all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I for one are, are tired of moral victories, and I think Scott Frost and the entire team. Agree with me. Uh, a tough one in Columbus as the Cornhuskers uh, stick with Ohio, Ohio State for an entire game up at half and, and really had multiple opportunities to, to really take control of that game and, and just didn't quite get it done. But um, it's hard to say that you didn't see progress out there at the same time and uh, you have to feel like um, uh, that uh, these blowouts that we've grown accustomed to the last few years um, are now in the rearview mirror. Honky, uh, your quick first take on the game? Well, I'd rather have a moral victory than a Riley-era loss any day. That's so true. That's, a, that's a, uh, I guess, a start. I want to give one quick shout-out before I forget. This is to loyal listener Josh Fisher and uh, his son Graham, who is hopefully getting out of the NICU tomorrow. He uh, shares birthday with uh, B- Boomer, so he's Boomer's birthday buddy. But uh, hopefully you get home there soon, Graham. That's awesome. Good stuff. Good stuff. You know what? Let's uh, let's uh, actually break down the game a little bit right off the bat and head into the X's and O's with some scoring explosion, the offensive breakdown. And uh, let's get hit the ground running because that's what uh, Nebraska's offense did actually on Saturday morning uh, with a very efficient, really beautiful first drive where we just marched down the field in about five minutes. Uh, Mac, you had to be happy to see, see that type of um, efficiency. Yeah, it was fantastic to see, actually. It was sort of a weird Saturday for the McGuire family. Uh, uh, Little Mac had a uh, basketball camp, so we had to go on, like, DEFCON 3, no technology. Everything was shut off because I had to record the first half of the game. But I came home, that first drive, you know, it, 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 it was perfect, actually, because we made some big chunk plays, then we get a penalty, but then we overcome the penalty, then we get a sack, then we overcome the sack, and then we get down on the goal line, and we basically march right in. I mean, that was 
as good and efficient at a start of a game as you could possibly have right up until the onside kick, and then things kind of went back to, oh, it's going to be one of these kind of games. But, geez, <laughs> you know, all I was I was talking to my wife before the game, like, I just want it to be a game for the whole game. Just don't take this game away from me in the first quarter. Like, we've seen this happen before to teams in the past. And, and maybe it's just, you know, battered fan syndrome that I'm still kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. But this team <laughs> is improving. They are almost every issue short of special teams um, has been addressed along the season so I was you know I'm I'm gonna take moral victories this year I won't take moral victories next year but I'm happy with the moral victory this this weekend I hear hey, Mac so I have to ask was it actually successful where you were able to stay off of all informations and actually got home turn the game on you had no idea what happened yeah it, we did it we, we we both locked our phones in our bedrooms. And and, shut, and put the do not disturb on, and then they were actually playing the game on the TV at the uh, at Wesleyan College there. So we had to like duck down and run out. I mean, we literally picked up our children and ran out the door, like singing songs <laughs> in our head out loud so we couldn't hear a score or anything. We're like la 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 la. And it's like you forgot a T-shirt. I'm like shut your mouth. The game is on. Why is the camp even right? happening? You know, <laughs> uh, stupid 11 a.m. kickoffs. That's great. Well, uh, Boomer. Um, I'll let a honky come back to that first drive, but Mac did mention the onside kick. Uh, you had to have uh, been scratching your head on that one, right? Well, yeah, I, I guess I don't know what else to say about it. I don't actually mind the play call. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody kick. knows what to say you about know, it. You want to you keep the ball in the hands of your best unit, and clearly that's our offense. I mean, they're far and away the best you know, best part of the triumvirate we have of, uh, of college football. Uh, just the execution of that, I, I've never seen anything quite like that. I, I'm i not even sure you could do that if you tried, to be honest, to you know, kind of go sideways on that. So that was disappointing. You know, I, again, the, the play call itself wasn't, but the entire special teams, again, was just such a massive letdown this game. It wasn't even that, you know, after the horrible onside kick, we actually hold Ohio State reasonably well on defense. Yep. Forced them to Four punt, and then, yeah. And then we get and the ball the back blocked, and blocked we line up for a punt for... and apparently have never practiced that either. And we don't notice Ohio State stack on the one side of the line and nobody shifts over and they run right in and block a punt. And that kind of gave them some early momentum, you know, or gave it back after our great start. And that was kind of the frustrating thing again the whole game. It just special teams. I just I don't know if it's just an afterthought or or what with this coaching staff. That just that's probably my one big disappointment with the game and the season as a whole is just our approach to special teams. How many games has that cost us now? It, That's it, a good yeah, question. Well, it's a lot. Could, yeah. I mean, there's no question. It's yeah. cost us several, and I'd say this was possibly one of them. I mean, there were I mean, there were other things we could have done to win the game, don't get me wrong, but yeah, that's clearly a mark against us and against the season. has just been that kind of performance. It just hasn't gotten better. So. No. Yeah. No. Hockey? Well, I mean, Frost, he brought that up today in the press conference about the special teams. He said some things can be fixed now, and Others are going to need more help and need to be addressed in the off season. So, uh, things like the the block punt were simply a communication error. He said, which you know you hate to hear that this deep in the season. It's something that can be fixed, but you'd like to think it's something that doesn't have to be fixed at this time. But to to go back to the offense, to go back to the first drive, this is becoming kind of a recurring theme with Nebraska right now. In the last five six games, the first drives we've gone right down the field on teams for the most part. We've done a really good job of of mixing it up, and teams, you can tell they have trouble adjusting right away to what we're doing. Maybe it's the speed of what we're doing it at. I'm not sure, but we're having a lot of success right away. You can think of Purdue. You can think of 
of uh, Northwestern. We went right down the field on them. And then, of course, Ohio Minnesota. State here. Yeah. Minnesota. And we've overcome along the way things like the five guys in the backfield that negated a 20-yard Zebo yeah. run. Um, you know, so and went for it on fourth. I mean, we were doing some – we're a hard team right away. And then, and then what tends to happen is I've seen where we've had some second drives in the games – where we've gone three and out. Yep. We, this happened again yeah, this one. That's right. And one of the things I've noticed, <laughs> and and Dave and, and Mike, or Boomer, I was tweeting with, or texting with them and leaving you off of it, Max, mm-hmm. so that, you know. Muchas gracias. Yes. But, um, boy, when we don't include Martinez's legs in a, in a drive, we tend to go three and out. And it's hard because, like, that second drive, I think it was two straight handoffs to – Maurice Washington, and I can't tell by watching if it's a zone read, if it's a called run, or whatever it is. I just know that when it's said and done, Martinez's legs weren't involved in the play. And then on third down, we had a third and long, and we're throwing the ball basically out of the pocket, incompletion. That or that was that one where uh, Raftall could have caught it, but we ended oh, up having a, we had a pick anyways. So long oh. story short, it was just kind of an ugly second drive, and I've seen that happen a couple of of games in a row too. So there's kind of a consistency there. Great first drive followed up by a kind of a, a slowdown one. Just a really quick count there. So first drive score is Ohio State. Uh, first drive score versus Bethune-Cookman, I presume. I yep. can't quite remember. Yep. Uh, first drive score versus Minnesota. Yep. First drive score versus Northwestern. Northwestern. First drive Not against score. Wisconsin. Not no. against Wisconsin. And then one against Purdue. Five of our last five of the last six, yeah. That's, so why, that's why do you think good. they change, Hockey? I guess what's your what's your thinking behind that? Why do I think they're changing what they're calling on offense? Yeah. Why do you think there's such success first series, and then why do we go away from what's working there? Well, I don't know if you're still by that point. I don't know if you're still working off of a script or not. And again, because we do so many of these RPOs, it it is really hard to tell on a play if it's called run, if it's a called handoff. You know. What, what exactly the call is, I just know the outcome, like specifically using the second drive of this last game, it ended up being two handoffs. And they're not – the coaches aren't calling plays to go for two yards. I mean, they, they if they are handing the ball off, they expect it to go to eight for eight yards, and it just isn't. Yeah. Um, but at the end of that second drive, it was two handoffs and a, and a throw out of the, the pocket. And, again, Martinez's legs just weren't involved really in that drive. And I, I that's think... that's where we're at our best. Yeah, I, I I think it is a, a really intriguing in the sense that it does feel like a scripted first drive that's very successful. I also feel like in the the second or third drives, it does feel like Frost is starting to kind of like feel out the the defense and how they adjust a little bit because then we come back and have some really creative play calling a little bit later on in the, in the second quarter where we do those kind of like um, you know. Uh, plays where we go off to one side and throw back to the other, and, and we get some big chunk yardage, right, Matt? Yeah, I would, I would totally agree with you. And I think some of the, the second drive woes that we might be having is, you know, I think the defense is adjusting a little bit to what we're doing. We've been kind of benefiting on the on the speed that we're moving at, and I think it's taking some teams at least a, a series or so to kind of adjust to what we're doing. And then you kind of get in that little cat-and-mouse game of, of adjustment, who's adjusting better to what. And, and this – this coaching staff's doing a good job of it, and it's a complete system. And as, as you see, this team is getting better at understanding core concepts. You know, it's getting harder and harder to make those adjustments last as long as they have. We still get those lulls, but they don't mm-hmm. seem to last as long as it did. The third quarter this week was kind of an anomaly. We've been really good in our third quarters for the most part this season. This 
this last week was frustrating because it just went away. And we did on Twitter, we did our first uh, real breakdown of the game that we've done this season. We did it last year for a few games, too. It just takes a lot of time. and and 17 it, it, uh, plays you 17 right plays now. we did. And, and by doing that, you really start to get a feel for the offense. Like, it's a question that that I had coming into the season is not quite understanding how this offense works as well. And now that we're nine games in and everything, I'm starting to get a feel for how certain things lead to something else, how they develop into it. If you had watched the Nebraska football show on Sunday night this last week where they had um, Shenander and, and Walters on it, they broke down video from the Bethune game, and they showed a play where it was a run up the middle, and they have uh, Jack Stoll lined up on the left side, and he cur- he uh, he kind of pulls from the left it, like through the guard and center hole, pulls in there, it's a lead block, it's a run, and that's something that they do early in the game. Why? Because later on they run the exact same motion, and that's the one that he got behind the safety, caught the deep ball, and then got shoestring tackled by the Bethune dude. But it, it led to it. So to go back to Boomer's question about why that second drive, why is that not working in some cases, maybe some of those plays too are things that are trying to set up other things. I don't know. That Austin Allen. Or at least Allen, to see what the defense is going to do. To, so you can in certain situations. Yeah. Something that, that we saw, at least I saw for the first time this year, maybe they've been doing it earlier and I just missed it, but that Austin Allen pass was incredible. How you had the left the left side tied in. He's sitting there basically blocking, and they had motioned out the running back over there, and then the running back kind of runs out around the tight end. They're right next to each other, and this defender comes up, and I don't even think he looks at the tight end as a passing option. He, he's going straight to cover that that uh, that running back, and then the tight end just releases out into empty space, and they throw the ball to him. Well, in that third quarter, that Raftall drop, that was it was a different type of formation the way they did it, but it was the same thing. Running back ran, ran around the left side. The defender ended up taking him. The tight end was blocking, 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 released at the last second into a wide open yeah. zone, and we just didn't make the catch. Well, the Devine's p- pass out to the left side there was kind of a similar one, too, where we ran right, and yeah. they, they kind of flood an area. You're, what I'm liking, though, and we've talked about it for, for a couple weeks now, is the tight end position is starting to get a little oh, bit yeah. more play. And you can see, you know, going forward, that could be a real premier position for us, the way – and as far as like recruiting goes yeah. to that position, the way they're going to use those guys, it's going to be a lot of fun. Those wheel routes that they run, um, and, and what they're doing is they're they're making defenders make a choice. And the great news is the system set up well. Well, if he makes that choice, well then I'm going to throw it to the running back, which you yeah. saw with Divine. And if he comes down on the running back, well then I'm going to I'm going to flip it out to the tight end and see what he can do. I mean it's 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 a complete system. Frost has talked about it all the time, but they're supposed to be. And as we get better, as Adrian continues to grow, as the as the team continues to grow, the the decisions are where the where the money's made in this game. So if you're making the right choices, mm-hmm. the answers are there within the system. As long as you're reading them quickly, we're going to be very difficult to stop from from the tight ends, the wide receivers, mm-hmm. to the running backs, all those positions, the, and a running quarterback. The the tight end. This is the difference that I'm starting to see. The tight end in this offense, and let's say compared to a tight end in Oklahoma's offense ten years ago. They were basically a tight end was flexed out, standing up on you know at two point stands, and he was basically a receiver first. That's how they would use a tight end. These tight ends at Nebraska, they are block first guys. They really yeah. are. And a lot of the plays that we just mentioned, the the deep ball against Bethune Cookman, these these Austin Allen routes, they're based off of a off of a run play where they blocked, or they're blocking and then releasing off of them anyways. It is the way they use the tight ends are very interesting and and. and uh, 
and I guess that's something that it's part of why they're getting open. One of the other things you mentioned there, Mac, like that throwback to Zigbo, the throwback to Austin Allen, I think it was funny because it was right after Fox, uh, the channel Fox, they just made the, the statement that Ohio State, they were figuring out our, our offense. They knew where we were going because of the, the, the offensive linemen were pointing, you know, were telling, it, telling us where the plays were right. going. They were making a huge deal about that, and that was right before the drive where we did a bunch of misdirection. It's like, yeah, you guys have no clue where we're going. Yeah, you guys cracked the code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so they had some sideline reporter, you know, hearing the Ohio yeah. State guys going, we know where they're going. Well, yeah, to the end zone. Ooh. <laughs> oh. oh. Yeah, I thought uh, the, the presser today, Frost, had an, uh, it was a good question from someone, I can't remember who it was, about the play calling and how they developed the game plans, and uh, to Mac's point about as we get farther into this system, it's really intriguing to me that uh, it seems like they can introduce new plays every week practically, just completely different. It's it's the the scheme is the same essentially. Once they actually understand the the basis of the offense, you can make anything up on a week to week basis, and it was completely different plays. I mean, it's going to be hard to you're not going to be able to see the same play over and over again. You may never see one of those plays we saw this week for the rest of the season. Yep. Yep. I do want to bring up one thing. Dan Corey of 1011, Channel 1011, he tweeted this this morning. And maybe this is kind of a nice wrapping on on how the offense is done. For the sixth straight game, Nebraska gained more than 450 yards, which ties the longest streak in program history. The other seasons, the Huskers went six straight games with 450-plus yards were 1972, 1982, 1994, and 1995. Jeez, those were some good years. <laughs> those were a 9-2-1 record, a 12-1 record, a 13-0, and a 12-0. Yep. So the, the, the stats One of that, these things is not like <laughs> the other. The stats that we're putting up, the offense that we're putting up, it's, it's on par with that, with those kind of teams. But obviously we, we're not there where those other teams are in some of the other areas. Yeah, you would, you would think that you would not be 2-7. and seven. Um, That's the truth. Uh, what about the offensive line, guys? Uh, they seem like they've made some pretty impressive strides over the last couple of weeks. And some of that might, again, just be Frost's system starting to put them in, in better positions to, to win battles, or are they just, just getting that much better? I think a lot of it is, you know, after the, the Conrad switch moving far, Farmer to center, mm-hmm. you know, that unit has gotten – really good with just working as a unit. That's what I've seen the most out of those guys. It, there's not the blown – they had that one – I think Foster allowed that one sack. But other than that, they have been just a, a better, a more cohesive unit on the offensive line. And I kind of think that a lot of it has to do with the strength and conditioning has allowed them to maintain a certain level throughout the season. So as they're getting better, they're staying stronger. I don't feel like we were manhandled at all. Oh, we're, and game. we're certainly not seeing any of the nagging injuries, and that goes yeah. across all positions, but certainly yeah, on the old line, point, huh? guys aren't getting hurt there. Uh, if you watch, if you go on to Twitter, and, and I suggest you guys do, Redcasters, go and look at, at those 17 plays that we highlighted couple of them on, on the O-line, one of them was a running play where Brendan Hymas, the left tackle, just takes the, the defensive end who's basically right in the hole and just he blocks him and takes him all the way to the right side of the field to where the right tackle would be. I mean, dra- drives him that far. It was, it was great. I mean, it looks like aggressive style blocking. This, it, you, could, you could look at the style of play that we're doing and, and think back to 20 years ago, and, and it's physical. It's, it's a physical spread offense and it really is that that Oregon speed and Nebraska Husker power that we've talked about we're getting there another play that we highlighted 
was a play where the offensive line didn't do so great. There was um, – oh, Farniak got beat by a guy, but you know what? Martinez cuts out, goes to the right around around the, the blitzer and ends up running for like three yards. Yeah. Now, it was only three yards, but a year ago that's either a sack or it's an incompletion or it's even worse. And that's that's the – you know, it's feeding off of each other. Martinez is benefiting by the improved line, and the line benefits from when they do make a mistake. Martinez can usually, you know, get him out of it. He's, yeah, he's, he's nice to have back there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we haven't talked too much about Adrian. Uh, you know, uh, Scott even said in, in the press release, just, you know, you can only say so many superlatives um, for Martinez. He's extraordinary right now as a true freshman. I think that's key. I mean, you can compare him to a lot of redshirt freshmen, but not a lot of true freshmen, right? I mean, I mean that the bad play that he did, which is maybe the first one I've seen in, in how many games. Yep. That it was bad. It, it stinks because of where it happened in the red zone. So it, it was a freshman mistake, yep. but my gosh – you just move on because, I mean, this guys he's done so many other things so well this year. And when other guys have made mistakes, it's been his play that's that's come back and, and made up for that previous one. This is one you just – you just you kind of mark it up as it's – he's going to learn from it. And I guarantee you, he got done with that game and he went 22 of 33 and he should have completed more passes, a couple drops. Not his yep. not his fault, right? Um, he You know, he's the co-Big 12 – or Big Ten Offensive Player of the, the Week and everything, yep. Freshman Offensive Player of the Week. All the superlatives you can say, and I bet I bet all he thinks about is that bad that bad play. I bet it that probably, just, that beats him up. Probably thinks about that uh, fumbled uh, snap in the third quarter, too, right before. Yeah. I think it was mm-hmm. Stanley's. Uh, well, he just dropped that. I don't know what happened there, but that was a sack that shouldn't have been taken either. So, well, Dave, we talked about yardage. it. We, we talked about it just a little bit before we started recording. The velocity – that he's he's starting to generate on the ball and the quickness of his release is you can tell it's improving as he's going and his accuracy is is really pretty good. I mean that ball he hung in on to throw to Stanley Morgan, that was Holy a cow. big time throw. And the way he lobbed that ball over uh for Austin on on that wheel route was a perfect placement. And frankly, um, the one that Spielman was wide open for and would have maybe changed the game was on the money. Those were fantastic passes. Um he and he's showing all different arm angles when he's throwing it. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't need a lot of space to generate a throw. His feet can be kind of set. His, you know, and and how much of this is Verdusco? You know, I I don't know, but yeah. but you know, if you watch, he doesn't look that different from McKenzie Milton. McKenzie Milton was kind of praised for his kind of sidearm delivery sometimes and this and that. Well, I'm starting to wonder if maybe that's a Verdusco effect because I see the same thing out of Adrian. And for a kid who, you know, hurt his shoulder and didn't play his senior year, I mean, we can go on and on, and I know everybody's talked about this, but it's ridiculous how good he is. He didn't play his senior year of high school, and he comes in, and, and I, frankly, I'm wondering how good Tristan Jevia is, because how could it even, how could that have even been a competition, you know, in the fall yeah, that's camp? that's a great for, point, You man. know, because, like, this guy is, is just tearing up the Big Ten, and, and every, every, component of our offensive team or unit is going to get better including him so he's not getting worse folks well we may be two and seven right now but at least at the quarterback spot um and you think over the last six to nine months would you take terry wilson over him at kentucky would, no no would you take joe burrow at lsu over him no because no. those are a couple names of guys that that you know could, 
Yeah, E.J. Bush. But th- <laughs> those are the names of a couple guys that you know have been thrown out there, of course, over the offseason that could have been at Nebraska potentially and, and didn't. Would you take Haskins over him? No. No. Not Haskins no. doesn't run the ball at all. So No, that one run where he scrambled, yeah. and he had like eight yards to go before he, the defender was even in the picture, and he slid. I'm like, wow. He got yeah. booed. Thank he you got, very much. He got booed. He should have got booed. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> a, that's not us making fun of him. That's <laughs> the horseshoe booed him. Uh, even Brady Quinn said that. Yeah. Brady yeah. Quinn. <laughs> God. Uh. <laughs> oh, I, don't think, never... I don't think Brady Quinn is now hockey's favorite uh, oh, if we analyst never have... on, on Fox ever. Oh, uh, my God. Great stuff. Please give us Joel Klatt next time. God. Yeah, right. Joel Klatt's a treat. Right. Yeah, that'd be mm-hmm. awesome. Well, we got to earn that, though. we got to earn that. That's right. Uh, That's right. All right, guys. Let's uh, flip to the defensive side of the ball. Throw the bones. The defensive breakdown. And, uh, you know, defense had some bright moments. Obviously, the turnovers uh, were definitely what we w- thought we'd expect out of the uh, Chenander defense. Still gave up uh, too many yards and points, obviously, to win the, uh, win the game. And I think the, um, the second half in particular, we gave up a lot of rush yards, which uh, Ohio State has really struggled with. Uh, Boomer, what did you see there in that second half with Ohio State just kind of uh, really taking over the third quarter. Yeah, I don't know. That was really the, you know, obviously it goes without saying, that was the disappointing quarter in the game. Uh, offense was struggling, couldn't seem to get those third down receptions, and that just put pressure on the defense. And for some reason at that point, I don't know if it was their offensive line just starting to, to block better and opening some holes or what it was. We just couldn't couldn't get them to punt, you know, couldn't get the couldn't stop them, couldn't slow them down enough to keep the lead we had. Uh, that was a challenge. I don't know what it was, but certainly didn't. Uh, when crunch time came, weren't able to stop, make the stops we needed. Yeah, I mean, I, a couple things I guess I'd throw before I throw it over to Honky or Mac is that, I mean, we can be critical of, of Nebraska, but we should praise Ohio State a little bit. Those guys are really talented, right? They yeah. may not be playing at a high level, but those two running backs in particular are really good running backs, will probably be playing in the NFL, um, made some guys just miss, yeah, right? Yeah, they did. Um, and then secondly, I, I, a, a, a missed point on the, the third quarter is is the lack of offense by Nebraska kept on giving Ohio State chances, right? Yeah, in the first absolutely. half, we dominated time of possession, and that made a big difference, and that was not the case in the in the third. Mac or Honky, anything you want to add? Yeah, I think very specifically in the third. In the, it, this is offense, but it, effect, it affected the defense, to your point, Dave. You have the Spielman drop. You have the Ozigbo drop, and you have the Raftall drop that I mentioned earlier. All three of those were plays that would have extended drives that would have kept the defense off the field um, and just didn't happen. So that kind of all led to a bad third quarter for us. But overall, uh, hey, we started getting turnovers. Yep. And, again, not to pick on you know my friend Brady Quinn, but um, not everything was self-inflicted by Ohio State. You know, We caused some turnovers. Uh, we were punching the ball out. And to get two fumbles that we land on, but to even have additional ones, Lamar Jackson you know, made, I don't know if it was Dobbins or which running back it was, but made him fumble and it rolled out of bounds. But we're hitting, we're knocking the ball out. We got an interception, and I think Haskins has only thrown five or six of those the whole season. Um, you know, We're starting to see Doman get out there and play the role of outside linebacker that I was kind of hoping to see Dixon play. But to be honest with you, it doesn't look like Dixon's ready to do it. And Doman was. And – Doman's, Doman plays differently at outside linebacker than what we've seen the other guys play so far. And when I say other guys, I mean Gifford. Yep. I mean 
Ferguson. Yep. I yep. mean, Guy Thomas. I mean, uh, Caleb Tanner. There's a lot of names, and yet I've seen Doman go out and cover one on one on a on a on a wide receiver doing a, an out route, and he's and he's blanketing him and, and knocking the ball out. And yep. there was a play, and again, it's in one of our one of our breakdown plays from the film. Um, we blitz five guys. Every one of our guys got picked up by by the o- OSU offense line. That's not the first time we've seen that this year, right? Send five guys, nobody gets through. What was different was they threw an out route, and Doman was all over him, ended up being an incompletion, and that was it. Now, in previous games, a team would pick up five blitzers. They'd throw an out route. We don't have our outside linebackers 10 yards off. Guy catches it and, and makes a play, gets a first down, does something. So, again, that's progress. But, yeah, we scored 14 points off of turnovers. That's progress. Well, one thing I think is progress. I mean, if you think about it, Ohio State had a bye week to prepare for us. And and they also, everybody knew that they were going to be working on their run game during those bye weeks. And on the quick change because of a horrible onside kick, they had a short field. And our defense walks out there and holds them. And they go for it on fourth down. They go running four straight plays. And they don't get a first down on our defense. I mean, that's pretty yeah. impressive to Bo- me. Boomer mentioned that earlier. That's that sudden change defense. Yeah. We had a couple three and outs in the fourth quarter. There were just times where we, the defense wasn't p- far from perfect, but it stepped up at times through turnovers or three and outs, four and outs in that case. Um, we're it's doing, just the weirdest season. I mean, just, you look at these games and it's like, why are we losing again? Well, How are we okay. two wins? At, that at, just actually, doesn't make sense. I'll, I'll – I'll answer the question, and it's nothing new, but field position, field position, field position. That's the we talked about. You know, first first drives of games, right? And and we're trying to find consistencies between games. We've had good first drives offensively, or we've had you know uh, we've we've done these different things well. But here's the one consistent thing: we are constantly behind in field position, and that's an accumulation of all the other things. Poor special teams. Uh, you know, defenses that at times will allow too many third down conversions and so on. Actually, in this game, they uh, we held OSU to under 30% on third down conversions. So that was a huge improvement. There's a number of stats you <laughs> can – there's but a, we lost. There's a number of stats you can look at this game and, and say, wow, we really we, we really should have won. Now, why did we lose? Well, it's a, it is a top-10 team in the horseshoe. And here's the moral victory. We played competitive for 60 minutes against Ohio State. A team for the last 120 minutes. I said it a week ago. I, why are people so afraid to talk about moral victories? There are moral victories. It was a moral victory in 1994 for Nebraska to play Florida State to a missed field goal at the end because we had lost seven straight bowl games to Florida and Miami and all that to Florida State. And it was a moral victory. It gave that team confidence that if they get back to the Orange Bowl, they can compete against anybody. See, that's why I go back. That's what this team, like, seriously, looking forward to Illinois and Michigan State and Iowa, if you if you can do what you just did to Ohio State in the horseshoe, you can beat any one of those three teams. And that's why Absolutely. I go back to that first defensive series. I mean, if that had to have given them the confidence to know, well, we're going to be able to play with these guys because that the dam could have broke right then and there and changed that game. They came out, stuffed them, got the ball back. Yep. That was as big to me as any. When I saw that, I was like, "Whoa, that's that's a little different," because I, they've got to be what the top one or two offenses in the Big Ten. Period. Sure. And we're yeah, certainly not absolutely. a top anything defense. So for us to do that, I was 
I was tickled. And it's, you know, it's the same cast of characters, really, yeah. but they're just playing a little bit better. I mean, Mo Berry, we love that guy, right? And he's, oh. he's a super hard player. But for a lot... He, He's made mistakes this season, except he's made them at 100 miles an hour. But now he's he's playing at about 100 miles an hour, and his run fits are a lot better. And he's making good tackles, and a lot of the other guys are kind of doing the same thing. Diedrich Young, you know, he was making some plays on, on you know, short yardage situations. And like you said, JoJo, he's the spark we needed and hopefully can kind of carry some momentum going forward. Yeah, moral, I'm all about it. We've yeah. we got two wins. <laughs> I'm going to start. I don't care. Yeah, it's all about, about confidence. Uh, D-line, guys. What do you think of the D-line play? End of the game, we just couldn't get a stop. Uh, do you feel like they were just, at that point, uh, tired and, and overmatched? Or was Ohio State doing something there? to? They picked up a couple first downs that looked pretty easy for them, and we stopped them there. We, we could have got the ball back. I would say at that point that was probably a fatigue kind of issue because if you look at throughout the game, and again, this is in our, our film breakdown, there's a number of good defensive stops that are just – Stretch run plays, plays right coming at us. I mean, and we had D linemen that were we were we were holding our own on the on the the line of scrimmage. Um, Gifford on a number of plays that he would take the the tackle and just stick, you know, take the left tackle, the right tackle, and just hold them straight up, give up no ground. I mean, very impressive. And then, my gosh, the the fourth down stop on, on the first possession of Ohio State, the fourth down and two stop, Diedrich Young. Get, hits the hits the running back right in the hole and and stops him dead on yep. right there. You know, and they're so good running backs. They're dude. good running backs. These are good players. And by that last drive, Dave, I just think at that point, yeah, we just we could not make a stop. I I don't know if this is the right time to mention this, but I know Boomer, you and I, we were talking about this. You know, during during the the game texting, was that no matter how good the defense was performing at times, are the best the best part of this team is still the offense. That's mm-hmm. the best sure. you know, component of it. Yep. And I, I don't blame us for not wanting to do an onside kick at the end. <laughs> you know, uh, We hadn't shown to be great with onside kicks. Well, but we could anything we could practice, po- maybe. Well, anything we could possibly do to keep the ball in the offense's hand or to give the offense a shot. Obviously, at the end, we couldn't get off the field on defense. Uh, that fourth and inches in the – was it the third or the fourth quarter? But the fourth and inches that turned into a timeout – that really ended up being kind of a turning point because we end up punting the ball. You know, instead of going for, and I know we're at the eleven yard line, our own eleven, but instead of going for it on fourth and inches, we put it into the hands of our our special teams that kick a, a pretty poor punt, and then yeah. the defense ends up unfortunately giving a giving up a touchdown in three plays, yeah. and we and we called a timeout. I mean, it was just. Yeah. It's just a bad scenario of everything all around. I'm not trying to throw blame yeah, at anyone. Yeah, I hear you, Honk. It's it's hard to read that in the sense that we just like you mentioned in the fourth quarter we had three and outs, right? So yeah. in both instances of those situation, you could argue that Frost is thinking, well, I punt here, we get three and out, ball comes right back to me. Or in the fourth quarter, why onside it? Because I, I I've seen my defense get a couple three and outs yep. here in the fourth. I get one more, I get the ball, right? Yep. And with a minute and twenty seconds or whatever. Yeah, well, and you're absolutely right, Dave. And at the same time, the other inconsistency. I'll call it an inconsistency, is that I know Boomer and I wanted us to be aggressive on the fourth and inches, and we were aggressive earlier. We went, mm-hmm. went for it on fourth down on the first drive. Now, granted, that was at their 40, but we went for it on fourth. We kick an onside, or we call an onside, right after getting the, the, we call the first touchdown. We called an onside, touchdown. but we failed to kick it, which is pretty <laughs> We amazing. called an onside. We kicked a <laughs> – I don't know what we kicked, but we called one. 
But the point is, is that we were being aggressive, right? So, I mean, it wasn't inconsistent to say, okay, I know it's fourth and inches. I know we're at our 11-yard line. You could tell the coaches – you could tell Frost was – he was he was tight. You know, he was wanting to do it. I mean, he was he – was uh, Listen, I'm sure he wanted to – I'm sure he wanted to go for it, but this team has kind of proven to be a little schizophrenic on stuff. I mean, like, what were you, like two for four? Or two for whatever, I know. Uh, two, fourth, down two for eleven or something. Year. It's horrible. It's I mean, so it hasn't been. It hasn't been strong. But that would have been a great time to go for it. I mean, you're two and six. What do you have to lose, really? I mean, and it was it. two inches. Yeah, it's inches. And even if you don't want to run it up the middle, yeah. you don't trust that. Let Martinez roll out. Give him that run pass option. I think Frost has seen that somewhere in the past that it works in those situations. So you know. Give yeah, it a I, mean, I, I, I think that. Fourth and inches or fourth and a yard really would make a difference if you were going to call a run-pass option with Martinez rolling out. If it's two inches, to Honky's point, that's where you'd want to be able to, oh, I'm just going to quarterback, yeah, sneak this. You should be able to. And yeah. we just have barely been able to do that. Um, we have yeah. tried to do that and failed. So uh, it, but, it is frustrating. You know? But you know what's fun here? You know what's fun about this very conversation? This is a moral victory. This is the first <laughs> time that we're act- – it is okay to question the coach's call, even though he's frost. All right. How would, dare you? We would do this with any coaching staff, right? But but we've been doing this show for a year and a half, and we just haven't had a chance to do this yet because we've been constantly in some kind of weird, you know, the team's always been losing or last year was just a, a forgotten year to begin with. It's like we've never really had a chance to break a game down, a good close game between a great, you know, a great team and 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 we've never really had a chance to sit there and say, God, I wish we would have done this different or this. Now we're finally getting to a point where it actually matters. Like coaching decisions matter. We're past yeah. the BS of like, oh, culture and this and this and this. No, it's like now it's now it's make those catches like you've been making all season. Okay, we dropped a couple. All right, that's that's frustrating. But then the defense comes back and we didn't lose the game by 30 points because we dropped a couple balls. We had right. defense step up. You yep. know that that that's the that's the moral victory here is we made the same amount of mistakes as maybe last year's team would have made, but we but we made a lot of plays that last year's team never would have. We didn't give up. We're in better shape, but maybe we still did. To your point, Dave, at the very end, get get a little exhausted there. So there's there's the, all the rooms for improvement. We still have to get deeper next year. We still have to get in better shape. Yeah. All those things, but we are that's if you can't see the progress right now, you are just blind as a bat. Progress. <laughs> moral victories. Uh, moral victories. Uh, we're, right, guys, we are seven else? and two in moral victories. Oh. Two and seven in actual. <laughs> we're bull eligible in moral victories. <laughs> For sure, we're bull eligible. Uh, anything bull. else? <laughs> anything yeah. else on this guy's uh, defensively? All right, let's wrap that up and move on to scarlet colored glasses. All right, fellas, Scarlet Colored Glasses, where we talk all things Husker football across the entire program. And uh, one way we can do that is uh, listen to our fans and try to answer some questions. So, Honky, let's uh, dive into the mailbag and see what it's all about. Yeah, this is a record week for us. We are having to turn away uh, quite a few questions that have come in. Uh, But, uh, Dave, I'm going to start. This one's directed to you. This one's from Devin Monahue. And he said, when the, fin- when the season is finished, what do you think the senior class's legacy will be? Uh, they lost a lot of games, but may have been the turning point uh, for the Husker program. So they're curious to see what they'll be remembered for, the losses or the help and change of culture. Yeah, that, well, that's a great question, Devin. Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I can't just associate them with the losses. They are going to have a 
huge loss total, man. But wow. But uh, guys like Devine and Stanley Morgan uh, have done everything the right way really throughout their entire careers, and it really hasn't been their fault that uh, they've had some, some poor seasons. They've had some spectacular individual performances. So, I mean, I, I, it, it might be a little mix there. It might be other seniors I'm not quite so fond of. But uh, generally speaking, I, I feel like just what we're seeing right now and how the culture has shifted and the seniors that have bought in are leading the way, that says so much to me about uh, the way this coaching staff has handled the transition because those are the easiest guys to, to quit right now or just not pay attention because they have weeks left in their season and they're the ones playing the hardest. So I, I'd have to say it's the culture shift. I would agree. Uh, next question. This goes to Boomer, and it's from The Keg. Right. And he said, I watched a lot of football on Saturday. Uh, based just on the way NU played compared to all the other teams nationally, could you make an argument that NU at 2-7 and seven is playing right now like a top 25 team? Uh, and I think, I think he's referring to specific, if you – if you only took last weekend, remove the first, you know, remove the first eight or nine. All right. So if, if only we only watched look, uh, Saturday, you know, if well, we only watched Saturday, did Nebraska look like a top twenty-five team? Probably not. I mean, our special teams was terrible. I mean, we have to admit that, and that was a big part of the game. Defense was okay. Yeah, the offense was a good offense. I mean, it put up points, but obviously not enough to win a game. I mean, they 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 looked okay, but I don't I don't know if I'd call them a top twenty-five team. I know you'd say, well, you know, they were playing a top-10 team in Ohio State. Well, if we're just taking last week's game into account, Ohio State doesn't look like a top-10 team either. They don't look particularly good. So, you know, they've definitely improved this season. But hard to say they're a top-25 team at this point when you just consider everybody else that's out there. Could they beat some of the top-25 teams? Maybe. But, you know, you still have to say they didn't win this last week and – yeah, I think to be considered a top 25 team, you should probably win a game. That's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, you know, I hate to put it that way, but that's just kind of kind of the way it is. So, You know, you're, you're tough but fair, Boomer. Um, yeah. Well, if we're going to get better, then I guess the third question, which I'm going to throw to you, uh, Mac, and I don't know why this guy wouldn't know the answer already. It's from fake Tom Osborne. Uh, <laughs> but he said, which 2019 recruit do you guys think will be the standout next year? So who's going to help get us to be that top 25 team? That's a good question. Um, you know, when you look at this season, one of the guys who really stood out to me wasn't a freshman, but it was it was a senior, and it was Divino Zigbo. And he has really proven to be that kind of thumper, but an explosive kind of running back. And really, we don't have anybody on the roster who could replace him going into the next year. So that's where a guy like Diedrich Mills – He's a JUCO guy. He's coming in. He's he's kind of a similar stature, a statue, statue, stature. Thank you, and um, maybe even a little bit more explosive than Divine. But the nice thing about him is, you know, I don't like to usually point to recruits and saying, "Well, this guy can be this," because I've been burned on that so many times. But this guy legitimately played Division One football before, and he has produced. And now he's gone down to the, you know, he's at uh, uh, Garden City right now, and he's he's leading the nation in rushing in that particular division. So. Uh, He's matured. He's ready to go. I think he's, he's a Jan- he's a January enrollee, isn't he? Yeah, I, think I believe so. so. So I mean, that's the kind of guy we're going to need. I think he'll make an immediate impact simply because of the depth of our running back position too. I mean, we've got a Ramir Johnson. We've got a 
uh, Ronald Tompkins coming in too, but um, and, one still of those, Bra- and still Jalen Bradley. And still, well, Jalen Bradley. So that that and that's kind of a curious one, but. This guy's got a chance to come in and make an immediate impact. And I think he'll, the way that we used Washington and Azigbo this year, we'll kind of see the similar yeah. kind of, uh, you know, that, that kind of combination One, going points, into yeah. next year, too. And, and, and Washington will be a little bit bigger himself. So, uh, yeah, I think that guy's got a chance to kind of keep this offense going and have that running game produce early. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I mean, Mills ran for like 700 yards at Georgia Tech, right? So, I mean. Yeah, and he's over 1,000 in the JUCO ranks this year. And, and, by all accounts, you know, whatever issues got him down to the JUCO level have been addressed, and, and he's kind of changed his tune. Uh, so he'll, you know, chances are he'll be a pretty good teammate. Mm-hmm. Well, Dave, there's the, uh, there's the mailbag for this week. Thank you, uh, Redcasters, for all the questions. Hey, you know, Hunk, I've got one extra question for you guys. Oh. Personal mailbag. That's what happened when you, you're the host of the Redcast. You can just, like, throw <laughs> these things out. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty optimistic, I guess. Maybe some folks, you know, are seeing all the wards still and are concerned um, that we are still, you know, you know, shooting ourselves in the, our own foot and, and not, can't quite get over the, the barrier of special teams or, or other uh, mistakes. But, boy, they seem to be darn close, in my opinion. So uh, if you're looking out for the last three games of this season and then moving into to 2019 – the thought came to my head is is like, when will, will be the next time Nebraska loses a football game? Because if you're optimistic, you could see us starting to actually, we could win the last three here, uh, have a lot of momentum, and obviously start a non-conference season um, on the right foot. And where, where, where could that actually go? So, Boomer, maybe you might want to, look up the 2019 schedule that might help this really quick but um when is the next time if you're a betting man when is the next time nebraska loses a football game i'll start with mac i'm confident that we're going to win this week and i think we can beat michigan state and i really want to beat iowa so let's just be positive and say we win those. We're on a three-game winning streak going into next year. Uh, we play South Alabama, win. We play Colorado, win with some revenge points on top of it. Then we play Northern Illinois. That should be a game where we hang 60 to 70 points on a team that we owe. Uh, Illinois again. I'm calling that a win. And then a showdown with Ohio State. Win. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll wait till Northwestern. I'm looking at future schedules, and I, I'm thinking that we're probably going to look past Rutgers in 2022 on the road. That, <laughs> I mean, we would have won about 40 in a row by that point. <laughs> we're back to back to back. I mean, these might be a little scarlet colored, but I'm going to say uh, 2022 at Rutgers is is our next loss. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean seriously. I, I get your point. I mean these next, th- I I I've never been two and seven as a Husker fan, but I'm extremely confident right now in our next three games. So I really do to exactly to your question. I'm already looking to next season. It's like we, we're not losing Illinois. We're not going to lose Senior Day to Michigan State, and then our bowl game is playing at Iowa. And and if we can play and do what we just did to Ohio State on the road and you just keep cleaning up the mistakes, 
that 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 are causing the losses. I, these next three games, I'm like, we're going to win them all. And then you look at next year, and next year's a a flip and breeze because everyone we play is at home, and we don't play as hard of a crossover schedule. And the 2019 so, schedule does set up really well. If you could somehow go ahead and take uh, take care of business against Ohio State in the second Big Ten game on the end of September. Then you, you're right. I mean, you look at it and you're like, you have Northwestern at home. You go to Minneapolis, whatever. Uh, Indiana comes. You have Purdue and West Lafayette, uh, but they are not going to have their four-year starter quarterback, and Rondell Moore will still be a problem, but that may be a little bit of a transition for Jeff Brom and his crew. Wisconsin comes to Lincoln. There. Maryland. And then Iowa comes to Lincoln. You don't but, have Penn State. You don't have Michigan. Michigan you don't no have Michigan, Michigan State. State. Um and it, yeah I don't know and, and, it's, and, and oh. well actually it's interesting too Dave you just you said uh, Purdue and Mac just kind of said well if they still have Brom there coaching or Brom sure and and I'm thinking the same thing with Ohio State is is Meyer going to be on the sideline I mean next season it's interesting that you in Colorado my goodness McIntyre's you know been thrown out there his name's you know uh, he's They've lost he's on four the hot straight seat. yeah yeah. So, Boomer, I know you're a little bit more uh, pessimistic and realistic. Than <laughs> Real, realist back in, Boomer. Yeah, Boomer doesn't uh, think we'll get through November. What do you think? Well, man? if you're betting, you probably would bet one more loss this season. I don't know who it would be to. I, oh, I'm fairly confident we will beat Illinois. We'll cover that in our uh, picks. Sparty and Iowa, I mean, Michigan State's got a solid defense. They're average, They're allowing something like 70 yards a game rushing. I mean, that's going to be a challenge. There's no question about it. They're good rush I mean, defense. Yeah, they've got a good no challenge, rush no defense. No challenge at all. They have no right offense there. to speak of. No, they really don't. So, But we saw what a good defense did to us against Michigan. I mean, I don't think they're quite on that level. but That's a really good defense. It's a challenge, so that'll be tough. And Iowa, until we actually show we can beat them, I mean, do you have a lot of faith we, we can? Well, 100% faith. Yep. I think we beat Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll be good, too. So, I, I, but you're talking, if we were a betting person, you know, would we? when would we lose again? I'd bet in those three. Start next year? No, we're starting, you know, 4-0 and easily next year. If we don't, that's a major disappointment to start the season. So, you know, if we do sneak through these three games, gosh, we're it might be Ohio State to even consider losing again. So, yeah, let's go all the way to Rutgers in 2022. I like that. So yeah. That's all right. Let's check. Right. Okay, M- Miller Genuine Draft, is that the one that's like a black and gold, the, the beer? MGD, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. MGD. I'm going to buy like three cases of that. I'm going to put it in a fridge. I'm putting a chain around the fridge. We're beating <laughs> Iowa. And we will open that up the first time that Iowa beats Nebraska again. So I'm hoping those are well expired by that time. <laughs> Let's put some Zima in there, too. And some Zima, just for, uh, the, yeah, yeah, just sure. for the historical sake of it. Flashback to the 90s right there. I right. Like it. That's well, and that's what Iowans drink anyway, so they can come over and they can have some Zima, and we'll drink some MGD. The Recruiting Pipeline. All right, let's hit up recruiting real quick, guys. We did have a pretty active week. We got a nice legacy get um, with uh, Buddha Wright, uh, Javon Buddha Wright. He likes to go by Buddha. That's uh, Toby Wright's uh, little boy from uh, the Phoenix, Arizona area, and uh, he uh, should be a, a great fit in our secondary. Could actually fill in uh, even the linebacker, I suppose. Uh, Honky, Mac, what do you think about uh, Buddha Wright? I mentioned the moral victory earlier uh, in 1994 in the Orange Bowl, and it was uh, Toby Wright that caused the fumble that did not get called uh, against. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, William Floyd. William Floyd. Floyd. Yeah, he, right. he could he could hit, 
And uh, Javen Wright, on a number of occasions in some of the quotes, he has said that he has a little bit of his, his father's physicality in him as a, as a defensive back. So if he's anything like what Toby was, as, as we can recall, that, that's a, a good sign. I absolutely love the legacy pick. He's, he, and, he, and he fits the mold, too. It's not just a legacy pick, but he is that long, lean athlete that, that Shenander has said that he covets above all else, you know. You let you let Duvall get a hold of that guy, and we'll see where he ends up playing on defense. It doesn't really matter. Just get him into the fold. We need the athletes. We need playmakers. So, you know, that's that's great news. Um, you know, the other big recruiting news this week would have been uh, Wandell Robinson, you know, choosing Kentucky. You know, until signing day, nothing's really settled on this guy, to be honest with you. I would caution any Husker fans out there to stop tweeting at oh, these young kids. It is Absolutely. ridiculous. It is not a good look. It's 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 foolishness. And also, recruits out there that get tweeted by Husker fans understand that these are the basement-dwelling Husker fans. They're not all of us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he picked Kentucky. It sounds like it's going to be a, a battle until December 1st or whenever uh, the early signing day period ends. But the he'd I- be a lovely guy to get. He, he's perfect for this system. The ironic thing is Mac and I are sitting in the basement right now as we're recording this. But- I'm at mom's basements. Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> oh, I- oh. This is my house. Right. I own this. I'm talking code red drinking basement dwelling. Oh, I got you. I got you. Uh, Those people. Well, there goes that code red sponsorship we had lined up. So. Dang it! <laughs> another one, Mac. You blew another one. Uh, all right. Well, uh, hey, hey, let's cover a little bit of uh, Nebraska ball here at the same time. Nebraska ball. And uh, first game is tomorrow night. Uh, we actually had an. Exhibition last week, Wayne State came to town, and a bunch of Nebraska boys were able to play uh, against uh, their home home state Huskers. Uh, but then now we have uh, season kicking off. Boomer uh, sounds like Tim Miles is a little bit concerned about our three point accuracy right now, yeah. and for good reason. Uh, but that's what it, uh, these first couple of games are, are for to get those things worked out, right? Yeah, it's been grim to start the the season so far. I mean, what were we shooting? Uh, it, it's just been terrible. I don't have the numbers in front Three of me. Three of 25, it, it I think, and four of something. It was not good. No, yeah. no, it wasn't good. And, you know, that hasn't necessarily been a forte if Tim Miles' teams is showing massive improvement in our shooting accuracy as the season goes on. So hopefully it's just, you know, early jitters. You know, that's why you play teams like the Mississippi Valley States and everyone like that to just kind of, you know, get those early jitters out of them. You, you hope this team isn't feeling a whole lot of pressure. I mean, because there is probably a lot on both Miles and the team. These guys have been talked about. They're getting a lot of hype, and, you know, let's just hope it's not getting to them and they know how to handle it. Yeah, Honky, do you feel like this team has the right makeup that's different than previous teams that have crumbled under that pressure? Well, I hope so. Uh, you know, we we lost a lot of great depth with D-Doc Chan leaving uh yes yes there's a who, who there's did a that tw- or they, they the the 10 best moments of the yeah, Chan. the tweet from uh from jack mitchell that's uh, great. what were your top 10 moments of the d-doc chan era um <laughs> i mean that's just too good i that's laugh out loud good right there um miles had a press conference today and he was talking about the three-point shooting and then he also talked about how he doesn't have a rotation set yet so for example he wants to get Brady Hyman on the floor, but he's not sure in what spot. And even mentioned at times playing Brady maybe with two bigs on the floor at the same time. So basically, I mean, that's the there's an advantage and a disadvantage to having ten scholarships. It's it 
isn't great to have that that few of players, but the players you do have, they're going to play. Brady, maybe in another year, another season, you'd have redshirted him, but he's going to play this year, and they're going to find ways to get these guys on the court. But but the main thing is we've got four starters that anybody would take right now in the Big Ten, I think, and that fifth guy, Thomas Allen. I mean, that's we got we got five dudes that hey, if you if you're a recruiting guy that that's loving the stars, we've got a five star and four four stars right there. That's our yeah. starting lineup, and if that if that can't get you pretty far, that's a lot of stars. That's a lot of stars. If that can't get you pretty far, I don't, you know, I don't know how we're going to do better. This is going to be this this should yeah. be a fun season to watch. I haven't done a tally of all the preseason magazines and, and polls, but I mean Nebraska is almost in the tournament by everyone, right? Just a matter of what seeding or you know how far we advance, and some have us actually winning a game or two, right? So yeah. it is intriguing. Andy Katz had us, I think, was it a four seed? And then the second round game, assuming we would beat, it was Ryder, I think, we played in the first round. So, of course, we, we'll destroy Ryder. And then in the <laughs> second round, we could never lose to that, right? And in the second round, um, it was like Marquette and Nick Costello. Oh, jeez, I can't. A four yeah, would Nick play Custo. a five. So, yeah. It'd be yeah, it was, like, it was like Marquette and one other. T- point is, they, it was, if we had that exact scenario, I mean, we're in the Sweet 16 without even, like, breaking a sweat. So, oh, yeah. Totally. It seems reasonable. I mean, why not? We've never won I mean, an NCAA are, tournament game before. We, so We are a Sweet I mean. 16 team. We're not losing football until 2022 Rutgers. I mean, this is the things that – The yeah, golden era is upon right us, yeah, guys. I think uh, Lenardi had us as an eight seed in his early bracketology today playing St. John's, so – Oh, and he hates he, he does. so that's awesome. Of course, he has us facing Kansas <laughs> in round two, so that should go well. Oh, so, of course yeah. he does. Uh, well, they'll be on probation by then, so, or something. But That's right. That's All the right. good teams Yeah, they won't are. be eligible. Uh, well, speaking of Kansas, uh, the Naismith Trophy watch list. Do you see what I did there, Naismith? Nice. Anyways, um, James Palmer, he made the uh, Naismith Trophy watch list, so that's – that doesn't happen every year for Nebraska, so that's that's, a, cool. that's a good sign. When is the last time that's happened? It, probably Petaway, I'm guessing. Really? Oh, so it's meaningless. Okay, no, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't, it probably would go back to yeah. Then you'd have Lou to go back maybe to or Vincent, Vincent Hamilton, somebody or, like that. Yeah, yeah. Been a been a while if it wasn't uh, Petaway. All right, more to come on that as uh, the season really picks up. Let's uh, head into our picks of the week. Redcast predictions. Uh, how did we do last week, guys? Anybody know? Does anybody care? Did anyone Everybody was anyone cares. to say anything about me picking LSU? Why did anyone change my mind on that? It was ridiculous. We wanted to watch. I didn't even think. I, when I look back, I'm like, oh, I had a pretty good week, and then I look and I'm like, I picked LSU. Why did I do? They that? let me pick LSU. No one said anything. Like that's a stretch, Mac. You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. I mean, I would say that's a dumb pick, but then that would it's go against hockey, everything I mean, I've done all year. Well, I so. guess I wasn't really asking you. <laughs> Boomer and Dave. <laughs> Don't let me down, yeah. man. Uh, all right, well, we'll try to avoid you having any dumb picks uh, this week, uh, even though sometimes you just you know, can't help yourself, right? Uh, let's start with, I think, a Friday night game. We have Fresno State. The Bulldogs are ranked uh and heading into the blue turf of Boise, Fresno is a three-point favorite, but going to Boise. Wow, when's the last time that assignment? happened that Boise's been an underdog at home? A home, yeah. It has to have been a while. 
I don't know. Boomer, you want to take a stab at this one? Right, yeah, let's see. The actual win. Uh, we're actually going to pick Fresno to win this game. They look pretty good this year. Fresno does look good. Yeah. Honky. Uh, I'm going blue turf all the way, Boise. Mac. Fresno? All right. I, I think I'm going to go to Boise, too. I, I do think Fresno looks really good for Mountain West, but Friday night game in Boise? That's a tall order. Oof. Plus the altitude. What gro- what grocery chain uh, sponsors their their home Albertsons? Alrighty, I'll just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, name other grocery chains that that sponsor football fields. I know of one other at least. Does Hy-Vee like sponsor Iowa State? Or well, they, they, they sponsor the Heroes Trophy. trophy if you remember, recall that. Kroger yeah. Kroger's down at is it uh, is it Kentucky or Louisville or something like that? That does sound well, right. Well, Louisville yeah. was Papa. Yeah. Papa John's before. Yeah, but like the field is Kroger Field. Yeah. Oh, okay. That could be. It might be Kentucky. Yeah, it's Kentucky. It's Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Kroger Field. Yeah. Formerly Commonwealth Stadium, and you don't want a good classy name like that. So. Yeah. Yeah, No. 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 Definitely want to go to Kroger Field. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's go into the Big Ten with our our good friends, the Buckeyes, uh, on the road this time, heading out to East Lansing. Michigan State and that defense that we were just mentioning, I think we'll get a really good idea of how good that Michigan State defense is uh, compared to uh, Nebraska's with Ohio State going against them. Buckeyes are a four-point favorite on the road. Honky? Lock of the week, Ohio State. All right. Mac? I'll go with Ohio State. Boomer? Uh, we're gonna go Buckeyes he's, still. I oh, he thought, thought about, about it. it. He yeah, thought about didn't it. Didn't quite pull the trigger. Yeah. yeah, I just don't think Michigan State has enough offense, and Lewerke is all banged up, and their their backup is like Rocky Lombardi or something like that. He's got a great name. Um, taking the Buckeyes great. myself. Man, I feel like we recruited that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. That name just sounds familiar when you said it. Rocky Lombardi. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, do Pac-12 here. I threw this one in late, but I think it's worthwhile. Uh, we have Washington State, uh, who survived a, a relatively tight game versus Cal at home late Saturday night. Five-and-a-half-point favorites going to Boulder for Colorado. Kind of put this one in just to talk about the buff for a second. A 5-0 and team a month ago is now 5-4 and and uh, playing the eighth-ranked team in the country um, could be staring at five and five and a five-game losing streak. It's rough. Um, honky. Well, with uh, very little research, I've <laughs> decided that uh, you know Colorado with the elevation. I'm sure Washington State Pullman is not anywhere near the mountains, uh, Eastern Washington and all. So I will just say that uh, the Buffs will will outlast them, and uh, we'll give it to CU because okay. of elevation. Well, well, could you guess the elevation of Pullman? Uh, it's Honk? probably it's probably like every bit as high as. Well, it's not, not high. It, no. High is the wrong word for Boulder, but probably every bit is elevated. <laughs> well, Washington's as, the same thing with that, actually. So <laughs> Pullman and Boulder true. could be very high in that regard. Now I'm really curious. I might look that up while you well, guys. Well, Pullman's know. elevation is two thousand three hundred fifty-two feet above sea level. Ah, so that's oh, like well, then they they eastern Nebraska, up, yeah, way up in the yeah. So definitely Colorado. All right, Mac. Uh, Washington State's been good for me this year. I'm going to stick with them. I'm going to ride with the Cougs and the Pirates. All right. I think the the Cougs got their scare last week. I think they'll come back and play better on the road. I'm also taking the Cougs. Boomer? 
Yeah, let's go with Washington State, although, man, their kicking game is questionable, too. Yeah, yeah that's the truth. Boy, that, that, that game was befuddling. They uh, had, had that field goal kicker just... Um, all right, uh, back to the Big Ten. Wisconsin going to Penn State. This on paper a few months ago would have been a top ten matchup. Uh, it is not right now, but it should still be a darn good game. Penn State favored by eight. Let's go with Honk. Oh, what a barf game all of a sudden. Yeah, I mean, it took a dive fast, it, didn't it? I'll pause on this for really one quick question. I was talking to a buddy of mine at work who was a Wisconsin fan, uh, I mean, Wisconsin's bordering on. I mean, Penn, they could lose here to Penn State. That'd be their fourth loss, I think. Yeah. Is that right? I mean, it's a it bordering on a bad year all of a sudden. A, a clearly, a disappointing year for uh, has Paul Chris. I mean, right? They had their, the best offense they could ever possibly conceive of at the beginning. Yeah, and they could go eight and four. Now this is this is what they're dealing with. Yeah, and they still ah. they still have to play Purdue after this too, so they could easily there be. You a, go. You know, five-loss team by the you know time it's over. Also, a moral victory. <laughs> I'm right, gonna I'm... take. I'm gonna take Penn State three, Wisconsin two. All right, Mac. Yeah, you know, Penn State season's been kind of icky as well. I, where's the game at? Penn State. Penn State. I'll take Penn State. Boomer. Uh, without looking up the altitudes of the respective schools, uh, <laughs> we're gonna go with Penn State for no particular reason. Yeah, you know, I, I think the the Vegas guys have to know something. Eight is actually relatively high for this game, I think. It does. So. That seems high, dude. It does seem yeah. high. Yeah. Not in a Colorado sense again. Again. Yeah. No, of course. No, much. Yeah, that, the blue laws in Pennsylvania. You, you can't <laughs> even be drunk in Happy Valley, probably. Um, I'll take Penn State. Uh, that's a, that's intriguing, though. I, I got an odd feeling we'll all be wrong on that one. Uh, all right. Uh, Oregon. Going to Salt Lake City, another state with weird liquor laws. Utah favored by three. Um, uh, I've been riding Utah this year, so I'll take Utah on this one. Honk? Yeah, I'm going to go with Utah. Mac? Utah. Boomer? Uh, Give me the Ducks. Let's be different. I'm not hearing any any locks of the week from anyone other than mine. I'll I'll take that as a lock. I'll take Utah as a lock just for the Ooh, heck of all right. Yeah. Dave's rolling good the move, dice. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of better locks than this last yeah, five, yeah. actually. This is a rough week. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, this is probably the best Big Ten game of the of the week, really, from a competitor standpoint. North, Northwestern uh, is going to Iowa City. Iowa, a 10-point favorite versus hmm. the Wildcats, who are 5-1 in conference and control... Their destiny in the Big Ten West. Mac, who are you taking? Just to set up a more crushing defeat uh, for the Huskers on Black Friday, I'm going to pick Iowa beating Northwestern, and I'm going to put that as my lock. Nice. All right, Boomer? To, yeah, a crushing defeat for the Huskers on Black Friday? That's painful there, Mac. Is that what Did you intended? Did you say that, Mac? No, I want to crush the spirits of every Hawkeye fan. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So you want Friday, I would so be I as good as possible, so they're crushed. Yeah, I'm okay, that, that feels Sorry. better. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying to elevate them yeah. even higher Wait, so we can crush them. You, you can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your if head you, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ah, gosh. Iowa's just kind of been slumping, but Northwestern just seems to find the level of their opponent and play right at it and see what the hell happens. 
Uh, I kind of like Max philosophy. Let's go with Iowa. Yeah. All right. Hockey, did I miss yours? Did you? What did you take? Yeah, I, I base a lot of my picks off of two things, elevation and kickoff times. And in <laughs> <Ooh>. this case, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, Kinnick Stadium at 7 o'clock at night under the under the – you know, the lights is ridiculously hard to play. But this game is being played at 2.30. I'm giving it to Northwestern. Huh? And, I, you know, I, I think did a you, lot of the – Did you account for the time change with the moving the clocks back and what that does to lights and things? Oh, that's a, There's a whole space-time continuum I, I came in. Second half will be but, played in the dark. <laughs> I'm just going to say that Northwestern, that they're going to – I'm just going to say they're going to win. So, they're going to win. All right. All right. I'm going to win. I'm going to take Iowa – um, I was looking at the the schedule. Northwestern, it's only one loss. They could lose this game and win their last two, which I think is like Illinois and Minnesota or something like that. Or yeah, whatever. that's correct, Dave. Yeah. And and still win the Big Ten West. I mean, yeah. they they are in a really good spot here. I mean, I just don't think they're going to lose those two. So, um, Not that they're not going to come out and try to win this game, but it is not a do-or-die situation for them at all. And they, they could be seven and five and winning the Big Ten West. Good job, West. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Not a strong showing. Indicates that the division is wide open for the Huskers to win it next year. But at least we're not as publicly shamed off the field. So. That's right. Very clean <laughs> programs right now. Uh, all right, uh, let's go with Oklahoma State going to Norman versus the Sooners. It's the Bedlam series. Sooners are favored by eighteen. Honky. This is so prime for me to make my stupid pick of, like, Oklahoma State going on the road and winning there. So I am going to go <laughs> with the Cowboys. No. They are going to win Bedlam. Wow. That would be big. Mac. Uh, I don't know much about Oklahoma State, to be honest. They're 5-4. They, they did beat Texas. And they're 5-4. and four. From Stillwater. It's not the worst pick. It's not the worst pick, but I'm going to They have a bar one. called Eskimo Joe's. Sweet mullet for a coach. Are you taking a, taking the okay, – I'm taking the Sooners. Okay, Sooners. Smart Despite man. Despite the sweet mullet. I'll take the Sooners as well. Boomer. Sooners. You guys uh, are all very, very smart. Yes. I'm very dumb. <laughs> okay, let's see how dumb Honky is with this one. Uh, Clemson going to Alumni Field in Boston. Uh, Boston College, you know, known for their home foot advantage. Under the lights, 17.5-point fav- uh, favorites are the Tigers, actually. Clemson, 17.5-point favorites over BC. Uh, Honky, please, please take Boston College. Two years ago, Clemson <laughs> loses to Pitt. A year ago, Clemson loses to Syracuse. They do this every year. You're absolutely right. I'm taking Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I, I mean, I'm almost positive Boston College is going to win this game now. <laughs> Uh, this is Mac. the kind of game they're going to win now, and I didn't even get to, you know, I don't yep. get the, the rewards of picking them. Yeah, Mac. Clemson possibly has the only other freshman quarterback playing better than Adrian Martinez. Better than True. Strong, but, I mean, he's legit. I'll take Clemson. I'm also Yo. taking the Tigers. Boomer? Clemson, you can lock him in. Uh, oh, that's a good lock. All right. Uh and one of those games that should be huge national implications, and it's just not. We have got the Seminoles of Florida State taking on Notre Dame. Notre Dame uh, is 18-point favorites in South Bend. Boomer. 
Uh, Notre Dame, because, you know, if there's ever a school that needs to look in a first-year coach's buyout, it might be Florida State, you know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, Honk, I mean, Willie Tagger, I think, has three ranked teams his last three games. He needs to win two of those to get to bowl, uh, be eligible for a bowl, right? So this could be the year Florida State breaks the, the streak. What do you think? Yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, this is at South Bend, correct? Yep. I bet correct. it matter anyways. Yeah, we're going to Notre Dame. Mac? I'm, gonna, I'm going for the Domers. How yep. has he, man? Taking the Irish as well. Uh, all right, guys. Uh, we have the Fighting Illini, uh, Lovey Smiths, uh, coming to Lincoln, Nebraska, also an 18-point favorite. I think this opened up at 19.5. It's gone down a little bit, but still awfully high. I don't know the last time a 2-7 and seven team has been 18-point favorites. I would love to see that stat. I, I think it would be hard to find, um, but it's out there. Um, hockey? You know, I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for the line. I think this is, you know, they're going to come in here and they're going to give us a, a fine, fine battle. I'm going to go with Nebraska 68, Illinois 0. <laughs> you know, 68 is a hard number to get to uh, unless you just like well you can just miss extra points or something I suppose uh, alright I like that 68 to 0 Mac uh, yeah this is a game that I, I definitely think we cover and I think we hit 50 points I'd like to hold these guys in the teens uh, so that being said I'll say 52 to 13 uh not so much that I disrespect Illinois or anything like that, but I feel like if, if everything we're seeing is real and tangible, that's, that should be the score of this game. We looked pretty good last week. Boomer. Uh, this game has kind of taken the place of uh, my preseason uh, Purdue game where I thought it would be a good test to see where we're at a program. Um, it's kind of wedged between two way tougher opponents. We've got them at home. Are we going to be up for this game, you know, kind of coming off that disappointing Ohio State team are we going to continue to show progress on offense defense i got to show progress on special teams you can't get worse unless a black hole swallows memorial stadium i mean that's about the only thing that can happen uh you know illinois got some talent able to run the ball reasonably well but i still think we can uh, pull this off it's nebraska 41 illinois 28 whoa 28 a little bit closer i hear you i hear you uh yeah, I'm a little bit – I'm in, in between those. I feel like we are going to score a lot. I'm not worried about the Illinois defense at all. So I'll take max score there of 52, but I'll pair it with Boomer's um, uh, defensive performance and say 28. I, I do. Illinois can run the ball, I think, and A.J. Bush as a mobile quarterback could, could do a little bit of damage. Honky, you want to jump in? Yeah, you know, both Dave and, and Boomer, you, you made the point of uh, Illinois running the ball, and – this is an interesting stat here. Nebraska and Illinois are the nation's top two most improved rushing teams nationally. Uh, NU is, uh, we are 109 more yards a game rushing from a year ago. Illinois is 143 yards more wow. a game mm. rushing. So that's, if it feels like they're running the ball more, they, they are in both cases. And I do want to make the point, this is also another 11 a.m. game. And Nebraska is starting to, I think, play better with these early kickoffs. So it will be interesting to see how that if that plays any role or any effect in it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see how the, the crowd helps uh, that out, right? I mean, they need to be in this game uh, from uh, the first, the kickoff, really, right? Yeah. Make sure those those players appreci- know that they're being appreciated. So, that'll be key. 
All right, guys, let's uh, get out of here with some parting shots. Honky. Well, we are on Stitcher now, and I don't really know what that means, but it's just another one of those, you know, podcast apps. I guess if you've been listening to us for a long time, it doesn't really matter to you because you're not listening to us on, on Stitcher. So, anyways, but we're there, and I just want to say that. Um, also, uh, next week, and, you know, I guess I didn't bring this up before the show, but uh, we're not going to be recording on Monday night next week, so we might be recording earlier so the show might be released a day earlier. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I'm just bringing that up now and probably probably shouldn't, you know, live like this. But point is, uh, we're going to change our release time a little bit next week. And the other thing with is... three-quarter release. That's right. And the other thing is, uh, tomorrow is election day. And we're recording on Monday night this week. So, so vote. Do whatever you do. Vote. Uh, and, uh, you know, just vote. Rock the vote. Yeah, we don't... Yeah. We we are a nonpartisan Husker fan podcast. That's that's what we. Well, are. I'm voting a straight Thanks, Kennedy. Ticket. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, <laughs> Make Nebraska great again. That's yeah. all we're for. I mean, we're right. really we're we're Whig party at best. Mac, please move on from this <laughs> debacle. <laughs> <laughs> that mess of my party. You know, part? it's it's been a long season, but it's it, but it's gone by fast at the same time. We got three games left, uh, Redcasters. Let's try to enjoy the heck out of them. It'd be it'd be wonderful to send these seniors um, off with, with you know five and seven or whatever. I, I could handle that right now. At this point, I could take that. Burn four and eight. Absolutely. Truth. Beating Iowa. Iowa's worth two. <laughs> I hate those guys. We'll see if that plays out in the math. I don't know. Boomer, <laughs> get us out of here. Well, I'm just saying, uh, for those of you who followed us on our Twitter feed, you saw my first launch of my new uh, cocktail book based on every uh, game that we play with our Moral Victory Martini, which tasted pretty well. So uh, I think I'll have a themed uh, drink every every week on our Twitter feed. So I'm not sure what this week's is going to be. Right now I'm kind of leaning towards possibly a, a Long Illini iced tea or maybe a Jim Grabowski sour, one or the other. But we'll play it by ear with what Saturday brings us. Moral Victory so. Mojito. <laughs> That's great. Uh, all right, I'm looking forward to that every Saturday night to see what we have. All right, guys, let's get out of here. Great show, great time. I'm looking forward uh, to next week's show. We talk about another victory. Let's call that a go big red cast. Red. Great, Zima.